Hey, one quick thing before we get started. I just want to remind you that this podcast is for information, education, and entertainment. It is not a substitute for therapy or therapeutic intervention. If you find yourself in crisis, please visit your local emergency room or contact a crisis hotline. Hey everyone, it's LaShonda from Labors of Love, and you're listening to the Labors of Love podcast. Super excited to have my guest on today to have a dope conversation. She is the co-chair for the Festival of Cincinnati Pride and the vice president of Cincinnati Black Pride. She's also the owner of Brandy's Jewelry Box and Accessories. Today, my guest is Brandy Griffin. Hi, Brandy. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. So I'm going to start with you like I do all my guests and ask, what is your labor of love? Hmm. So <laughs> um, originally when I, I heard of the question, I thought, oh, what is my labor, labor of love? And for me, I had to look it up and see what it actually was meaning. Um, and it, it, it basically entails what I what you do for others in a sense um, is what I got from it. So for me, I am a lot um, in the community. Um, I really am about helping others who are um, less fortunate, um, who um, is in need of something, whether it's just a listening ear, you know, um, a piece of clothing or something, just, uh, you know, just a hug or something. I have become that type of a person um, that that's what makes me feel good. Um, and that's what humbles me every day. So I think that's kind of what my labor of love is. Thank you so much for sharing that. So if you were to take a trip down memory lane and try to find a point in life, a season or an incident that really helped you understand that helping others and being in service and support to others was very important to you, where would you say you trace this back to? Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say it originally started where I know the seed was planted, um, as, as a kid, um, just being a kid, especially when I, um, was in foster care and, uh, I, I noticed that things were different, things were different, definitely when you're in foster care. Um, and so, uh, I saw things that I was that just really tugged on my heart, and I felt like, oh my gosh, I wish I could do more. I wish I could be more. Um, and as I got older, I kind of strayed away from, you know, helping others. But um, it's always been in me where I felt the need to be there for people. Um, I've struggled a lot as in a young adult, even as a child, as a teenager. Um, and, you know, just even recently, um, where I know what it feels like to hit rock bottom and I know what it feels like to meet people. Um, I also know what it feels like when they're, you know, feel like nobody is there and nobody sometimes mm-hmm. isn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but I really, um, have made it my business to say, I'm going to be there for people who I know need it and don't have anybody else because I know what that felt like. And I'm just at a point in my life where I want to put out in the universe um, 
all good things because I, you know, want those things to come back for the rest of my life. So um, I guess it really just starts as a kid. Mm-hmm. So how does this show up for you on a regular basis? Um, I guess when I think about, you know, we have certain lenses that we look at through the world. And as a person who works with folks who have experienced trauma, I realize that that is the lens that I look through so much. So I am constantly looking and perceiving people, not necessarily from the perspective of like, what they over there doing? Why are they doing this? Like, I, I don't even think I ask why anymore. And it's more like, I wonder, I know that the work that I do influences like how I see people. And I think in a, in a compassionate way. So how do you begin to recognize people who need help? Because what I've also found is there are tons of people who need help, but they are not asking for it. Maybe they don't think that someone is going to be there to provide it for them. Maybe they don't even recognize. They just like, well, I guess this is life. Life is just hard. Yeah. So have you found that you've been able to identify folks who need help, even if they're not explicitly coming to you saying, Brandy, will you help me? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, it's like a feeling I get. Um, I, you know, we, we throw the word around being an empath for so long. And I hope I said that right. Um, oh, empath. Yeah. Empath. Yes. Yeah. So now we, we, we throw that around and people say, Oh, I'm an empath. I'm an empath, but I legitly feel like I have something in me that can just seek and not even seek, but just walking past somebody and I can feel something that they're going through or something that they're needing, whether they just need to listen. And I'm, and I'm starting to even notice that even more is that I can be at a grocery store or I don't know, in Walmart or whatever. And like looking at detergent or something and somebody will just come up to me and they'll be looking for something too. And then all of a sudden we just have this full on conversation and actually I'm just the one listening and they're really just talking to me and and sometimes that's all they need is for somebody to listen to them. Um, or, you know, um, I'm an instructor um, for, as a med I'm a medical assistant instructor. And I'm noticing like a lot of my students, they come up to me. I'm like, I can tell just by looking at them that they're, they're going through something. And I'll be like, let's go talk in my office. And then they would just start bawling and just, you know, ah, oh, Miss Brandy, I'm like, da, 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 da. And I just listen, I just listen. Um, and so it's just a feeling it's hard to explain and I get happy thinking about it. Cause I'm like, man, I'm in more in tune about it than I've ever been in my life. Just having that feeling of, um, somebody, somebody needing something. It doesn't mm -hmm. even have to be material. It's just, they just need a hug or they just need to listen to me. Or if I look at them and say, Hey, um, how's your day going? Or, um, you look beautiful in that sweater or something. They need that. Yeah. And so much of what you said resonates with me because I recognize that we live in a culture, in a world that doesn't really see other people, particularly in our culture. Our culture, well, I think it's twofold. I think we see people to compare ourselves and then mm -hmm. we turn inward and look at ourselves. And I'm I'm making that generalized statement. I know not every single person does that all the time. But it's almost an encouragement that we get from the time that we're younger. You know, we're compared to other people in regards to how we look and how we show up and how we learn and 
and all these things. And then we're told be better, do better. Right. Mm -hmm. So look and compare and then focus on self. And I think the practice of, I don't know, the oppressive systems that we're reared under like capitalism and white supremacy and patriarchy, what they do is they create that cycle for us. So when we're walking around the grocery store, there are so many people who don't actually see the other people who are there, right? right. We get unifocused. I haven't been in a grocery store in probably four years. It is not COVID related. It's just very overwhelming. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, um, and, and part of that overwhelm is because I recognize that grocery stores are these places that are directly related to survival. I mean, when you think mm. about it in our culture, um, there are not a lot of people farming, and things like that. There are some, but the majority of people are going to these stores. And food is part of our basic needs that we have to do. People go in there with limited time um, or a whole lot of time. So they're moving really slow or they're trying to move really fast. And right. people are vying for the same things. And it, it just became a very overwhelming experience for me. But I think also that is because I do see people. And it's really hard for me to be in a place. And as you said, that it made me really want to sit. I hadn't really necessarily thought about this before, but it makes sense. I don't like crowds. Mm. Oh, like Taste <laughs> of Cincinnati is happening right now. And like, I'm just like, torture. Why? Why? <laughs> I down. Oh, oh, all these people do <laughs> not like crowds. Um, And it doesn't do you feel things like, do you feel like you feel like other people's like they're, what they're going like I don't know what to call it like I don't want to say spirits but yeah like do you feel other people's stuff when you're when you're yeah, like walking I hear what you're asking and as you're talking about it, it it's making me think about that um that it's I there there is a level of 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 feeling I have when I go to places I'm really uh aware intentional about my boundaries that I put mm -hmm. in myself right because if I'm not careful I can be an absorber of other people's energies and that's mm. not helpful because most people don't mind their energy and so they're walking around with chaotic whatever whatever it's not it's not a lack of empathy I just have to I have to protect myself however even when I do that I am just aware and I think when I'm looking at people I don't just see their height their weight their skin color what they're wearing. There is a depth to which I can see beyond those things. Mm. And when there are so many people, I think it's just so overwhelming for me that I just can't even, because I've said for a very long time, mm -mm, I don't do crowds. I can't do crowds, but it wasn't until you started talking that I, you know, and then I was just, I was fine with that, you know, just, you know, whatever it, it is mm. who I am. But like I tell people all the time, is it who you are or is it how you've adapted? And mm. so to this, to this point, there is a level of depth for each person that I feel like I'm looking at and I see. And I, that's a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, it is. So, I, I can do crowds. I really can. Like, I'm okay with doing crowds. I think because I've been kind of sheltered. Yeah, I would say I've been sheltered a lot. Um, and so um, as as I've gotten older, I'm like, yeah, I want to start experiencing life. Like I really want to get out there, but I'm also noticing that I am picking up on a lot of how people are and feeling a lot of people. And it's like, like you said, it's gotten overwhelming at some point and I feel like I can handle it, but I'm still like, 
Like I, I feel things and I'm looking at people like, you know, do you need a hug? Like, are you okay? <laughs> I can't, I'm going around like asking people or just, you know, I don't know. And then people are just drawn to me to talk to me while I'm just standing there trying to, I don't know, enjoy the weather or enjoy the sunshine. And like, you know, I just get people talking to me. So um, I think I'm good with, I can do crowds. I really can. And I, I, I hope, thank you for sharing that because I, what I am hoping is that people who are listening can realize that there's no right or wrong way right to experience any of this right like Mm -hmm. nah I'm gonna try to limit my crowds for sure and Brandy like nah I can do crowds you know and and there's people who are in between it can be situational but I just appreciate being able to have the discussion about how it impacts us differently you know likewise people are generally drawn to me um and you know I've taken that what it is I I this has probably existed most of my life, but I've noticed it most when I've been with my partner because he has mastered the art of disappearing because he's like (laughs) right by my side one second. But if someone comes to talk to me, it's like, poof, he vanishes. (laughs) And part of that isn't, it's just his awareness that people will come and tell me very deep things and I don't have to know them. I don't have to ever have experienced them. And so there is a level of privacy that he gives to people mm. who engage with me, you know, in that particular way. And on one, I, you know, I can sit in gratitude for that, whatever the thing is that the light, the warmth that draws folks to me and recognize I'm a safe space. And there are the times when you like, sometimes I just want to not. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I I just want to, like you said, enjoy the weather. I want right. to, you know, do whatever it is. And and there, there are levels to which I think people are aware that they do it and and are not. Some people, I think, just want to come up and maybe just, hey, there's something about you. I've literally been in a, um, I don't even know what we call it, like a, a festival kind of thing. And this was years ago. My girls were little, like in strollers. And there was someone who like, I could tell as this person was walking towards me because it feels like they were walking against the grain of the crowd. And as they were walking, like I could tell they were coming for me, mm-hmm. like they were coming straight for. And so when they got to me and stopped, I was like, "Ooh, you know, I felt that. And it was a quick conversation, um, but it was more like I had to come talk to you. Right. Like I, I, I saw you and I had to come talk to you. Um, But then there are other times when I feel like people are just like, especially if they if they recognize me or know who I am, they'll go Mm -hmm. like, I know you. Right. And I I hear that. And that that can go one of a couple of ways. (laughs) Know you. Hey, or I know you. And so I'm about to dump all this stuff on you right now. And it's like, ooh, ooh. So I also feel like for people who are listening, like just be aware right and consent works both ways like is this a good time to talk um can you know can I ask you a question even though even that one it's like you've already asked me a question by asking me if you can ask a question and right think about this question right you know (laughs) um a question is fine if you if if the question leads into something more so yeah it, it is something about being around other people that I'm hearing for you you they don't have to necessarily be holding a sign that's right. Like, I I'm in need of 
being seen, heard, understood, or any kind of support, but you can just kind of intuit that and and move into that way. So because that's how you, you know, navigate the world, what are some of the things you do to, um, pour back into yourself to protect yourself, to do all the things that help you navigate the world with this particular gift? Well, this is the first time somebody ever said it was a gift. <laughs> I, um, I, so to pour back into myself, that is something new that I'm learning right now. Um, uh, I just um, recently have gone through a divorce and um, I've, I'm learning to pour back into myself. And it is, it's been very hard. It's a hard thing because I'm always pouring into everybody because I always, I feel like I want to do good to everybody. So good comes back to me. Um, and so that, that I've just been like adamant on, on making sure everybody else is happy and make sure everybody else is smiling. And sometimes I don't always get that right, but I feel like now is the time I need to pour back into me. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm, I'm starting to be aware of a lot of things. Um, I'm starting to, um, be in touch with myself, being mindful of the, of the moment I'm learning about being mindful of the mo- like right here in the moment, what I'm feeling, what I'm, what I'm, um, experiencing, I'm learning that. Um, and so as I'm learning it, I'm like, you know what, I, Brandy, you should really love yourself a little bit harder than what you're doing. Um, you really should pour into yourself like you pour into others. Um, and so I'm also learning boundaries. <laughs> I am learning boundaries. I am learning. I do not have to pick up a phone if I don't want to. I do Come not on. have to return a text if I don't want to. No is a complete sentence. And I um, can sit here and do what I want um, when I want, however I want. And I'm not so guilty about it because um, I'm always there for people. So today, now it's time for me to be selfish for me. Um, and I used to have a problem with that. Like I used to feel like, oh my God, I'm, I should not be selfish about myself. I'm so, that's so wrong. I should be about everybody else. And then like, I've, you know, <laughs> had a mini breakdown and I'm like, oh no, nah, now I got to really be about me now. Cause yeah, um, yeah, I'm 45 and I'm like, ah, I, I, there's life out there. Um, and I really need, and there's people out there who still, who needs me and I can't be anything good to them. Um, if I'm not taking care, if I'm not taking care of myself. Um, Yeah. I appreciate, um, yeah, that honesty and self-disclosure. I feel it's a thing that I say often, but I feel like I've been saying it more and more because I've been in spaces with people that I really think benefit from hearing it and us talking about it, which is so many people think that we treat we teach others how to treat us by how we treat them Mm. but the reality is we teach others how to treat us by how we treat ourselves Mm, and so (laughs) there are so many of us who have spent so much time trying to make relational deposits into other people so that one day when we need it we can make a withdrawal Mm. and we hit that moment of disappointment very often Because those relational deposits, all the things that I've done for another person, the way that I have sacrificed in order to do that, those those are voluntary actions. We do those because we choose to do those. Right. And then when we don't get them reciprocated, we find ourselves hurt and resentful and bitter 
Mm. um, and angry and all that stuff. But when we start making sure that we are treating ourselves the way we want to be treated, that is literally how people learn to treat us. So when we're self-sacrificing all the time, people looking at that goes, that's what they want to do. Mm. Oh, when I call you at three o'clock in the morning and you pick up and you interrupt your sleep to just go, hey, what's going on all the time? You want to, you do it. So you want to do it. So I'm going to keep calling at three in the morning, not because I don't value your sleep. You don't value value. your sleep. I'm putting as much value on the things you value as you put on them. Mm, Say that. And so- I have learned that if I want people to treat me a certain way, I have to allow them to see me treating me that way. That's Mm -hmm. what they know. So unless it's really important, people don't call me before 10 a.m. They just don't right (laughs) now. That's different for every person. That's just my time where I want to start functioning. And I don't, I don't have to, stop my feet and things because when I used to answer at seven in the morning people would keep calling because that's what time they're up so sometimes we interpret people as violating our boundaries when we never establish them you can't Mm. think about a boundary and then get mad at somebody for violating what you thought but didn't but you didn't express right you didn't establish You, you didn't you know what I mean? You didn't put in place. And I use this example all the time because it was it was actually what really helped me understand this principle is my partner uh, does not wear a shoe that's not a Jordan, period, point <laughs> blank. Like that's that that is what it is. Right. Um, and anyone who knows him has been around him don't even have to be for very long. You you know this about him, right? You know a few things. You know he's not going to wear a shoe unless it's Jay. You know he that he's a, a diehard Bulls fan, mm. right? You know that he likes University of North Carolina. Like there are just certain things that you know about him. And so I will, when I'm talking to people, particularly that I know, I say, if you were going to buy Jay some shoes, what kind of shoes would you buy? And hands down, everybody's like, Jordan's. Right now, you don't have to buy him shoes that let's be clear. You don't have to. But if you were going to Mm -hmm. anyone who knew him that would bring some Reeboks or some Adidas or some Converse, it would be like because Mm -hmm. he's also really good at saying no, thank you. No, so he's not going to take the shoe because you bought it and be like, oh, dang, well, they did buy it. He's going to say no, thank you. Like, appreciate the thought. No, thank you. And being around someone who lived their life with those who have the boundaries. And I didn't have this real example from shoes. Like, people don't just randomly be trying to buy him shoes. But <laughs> I knew that about him. Mm-hmm. He he ta- he taught people what he liked by what he bought himself. Now, he wasn't also out here wearing Walmart shoes all day, but then telling other people that they needed to provide Jordans. Mm-hmm. How many times do we do that? We out here treating ourselves like crap, but we looking at everybody else like you need to respect my, mm, but they don't. Mm, they, they need don't to give you the you queen don't. status and you're not even treating, you're treating yourself like a peasant. Right? <laughs> right. So it was just something about this person who I was sharing my life with, I was getting to know and sharing my life with 
who was very unapologetic about what he liked, what he wanted, <clears throat> and that he was willing to do that for himself. He wasn't asking anybody else to do it because if nobody ever buy him Jordans, he's going to have the J's he wants because he's going to provide them. It really shifted how I looked at, it's okay to want what I want. And it's okay to provide myself with what I want. And other people can feel about that, how they feel. Because whatever people have to say about his preference and shoe choice, when I say it doesn't matter, like I also learned like, there's a person in my life who legit is not concerned about other people's perception of him. And that was a foreign concept because I I was very concerned about what everybody <laughs> thought about yeah. me. Yeah. So when you said some of that, like that's what that brought up to me. When we get to that moment where we go, I got to pour into me because I deserve to be poured into and mm -hmm. so I can pour out to others. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's where I think I'm at now in my life where I have to pour into me. I'm like that basket with, you know, your clothes basket that has the holes that have, you know, regular clothes basket. And I think I've tried pouring into myself so much that I've got, I'm just got, I'm full of holes at this point. Mm. So now I'm starting over and I'm really adamant on getting the the nice clothes baskets that doesn't have the holes and now I'm pouring I'm really learning to pour into me because I can't pour into anybody else um at this point um I I, I still have you know I'm still there for anybody but I'm also I'm setting up these boundaries and I'm telling you it feels it, it's scary but it feels good because I'm not used to it yeah. but um it does feel good. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it, and excited about that this journey. Outside. I'm excited for you. I'm excited yeah. with you. It's you know I so glad you mentioned the clothes basket. I I was at a event this weekend for mommies. Um, mental health and motherhood was kind of the topic, and that's it. So much about pouring yourself, self care, pouring yourself. And I said you can pour all day, but if your cup got holes, it's gonna right. look right out, just like what you were saying. So some of the work is patching the holes. You know, maybe That's it's it. maybe it's going to get a new basket. If you can do that, do that. But start yeah. by patching one hole at a time. Yeah. And I I really resonate so much because growing up, and when I say growing up, I'm talking all the way up until like 30 plus. <laughs> so mm. growing up, um, some of my holes were. Yeah, I think I recognize that I maybe I recognize that I should like pour into myself, take care of myself. But I didn't believe or trust that if I wasn't doing things for other people, they would want to be connected with me. Mm. So there was this this the challenge for me was, but if I don't answer that call, what if they don't call back? Mm. If I don't do this for them what if they ask somebody else because I spent the majority of my life believing that my worth was in what I gave to people my worth was in what I did for people my and I and I had to do those things because if they had the right to choose me just for me no one would ever and I, I genuinely mm. believe that they won't they won't choose me just to be with me so I have to give them an upfront reason why mm. they should choose me because I'm helpful because I will always have your back because I will sacrifice for you because I, because I, because I, because I, because I, Ooh, yes. Right. And it's something about healing 
that helped me understand that regardless of their choice, I will choose me. I will mm. love me. I will accept me. This is still an ongoing growing thing. I, I don't ever want to present it as if it's a done and behind me. It's a daily decision. Mm-hmm. What I found is once I started to be able to do that and simultaneously, I was in relationships with other people who chose me for me, not for what I did, not for mm. what I gave, not for what I performed. They just was like Shonda Dope. Right. I, just just by being you. So those people taught me how to see me in a way that I was genuinely trying to see other people. But then part of me says, was I? I didn't, sometimes I didn't see other people. I saw them for being connected, like at least you'll be in connection with me. So sometimes mm-hmm. we're in a relationship with people, we're using each other and we don't mm-hmm. even realize right. that we're doing it. Right. Yeah. I, I, I've been, I, I think I've had what you just said really made sense. Like I, I, that's been my whole life. Like trying to, Hey, look what I can do for you. And I'm like, I'm that little kid like, hey, hey, pick me, pick me. And like, I could do this and do cartwheels and flips and, you know, throw, uh, what is it? Throw those little fire batons. Like, look what I can do. I'm your friend. I can do this. And, you know, I'm usually your ride or die here. But um, lately, it's just, I just been like, are you really choosing me for me? Or are you choosing what I can do for you? And so I had, I've had to take a couple of steps back. And how and reevaluate a lot of relationships, friendships, everything. Like I had just looked back, even looking at myself, like, come on, Brandy, now you're 45. Like you, do we really have to keep doing this, this, this jumping up for people to to love you, for people to choose you, for people to see you for you? Um, and you don't, like you really don't. Because I think I'm a pretty awesome person. I mean, um, I, I feel like I am. Um, and so I'm starting to see like, I don't know, you know, I, people's intentions, they're not pure. And so my heart right now is where I want to be at the purest form to anybody. And I'm expecting everybody to be that way to me. So um, I, I'm, I, I see what you're saying with that. Like, is this, and I still learn, like, I'm still learning. I'm still this journey that I'm actually on just, you know, just legitimately have started. And I'm serious with it, like consistency. You yeah. Know, we, back in the day, you know, might not back in the day, but like people get on this. Oh, I'm every first of the year, like, oh, I'm on this journey of this, this, and this. And <laughs> I, you know, but this is the first time in my life, in my 45 years, <laughs> that I have literally said, I am adamant, number one, on healing me. Number two, I'm adamant on um on loving myself, falling in love with myself because I want people to see me for me mm. and I need everybody in my circle for the rest of my life to, to see me and be, and, and, and love me for, for me as I do for them. Yeah. So oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. So it's very, yeah. Like I'm, I'm very, very adamant this time. Like, and, and it, I say that and I say that I smile cause I'm, I'm excited about it. Cause I am like, I'm at that age now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not old, but still. I hope people can hear your smile. It is so it is so beautiful to witness you. because, you know, how many so many of us start start things that we don't complete. And that I don't say that to knock us like there are reasons mm-hmm. that we don't. But there is something about 
when we are committed to healing, that it opens us up to seeing things in a different way, ways that we didn't see them when we were necessarily looking through the lens of our wounds or our hurt or our pain. And one of the biggest things that I have found is pretty much everything that I've done throughout my life has been in service of connection. It was very helpful for me to realize that it reduced shame. So when I look at previous relationships, for example, and I want to be like, girl, what the hell were you thinking? Because I say, <laughs> look, it wasn't red flag. It was six flags, like Man, a whole amusement flags. park. I got and... slapped with red flags <laughs> a lot. And I don't know. Um, God is like, come on now, Brandy. I think this last one, he just beat me with the red flag. He said, oh, you don't see this? Let me oh, come on. Let me, let me just whoop you real quick. <laughs> and and you go like, oh, and what I realized is because it was in service of connection, I had to be willing to lose other people to gain myself. Mm. And I wasn't willing to do that for the majority of my life. No, I would hold on to people, to relationships, white knuckling it just as hard as I could, because if I let it go, what if they left and no one returned? And there was something about getting to a point. And I, and for me, this was leaving my first marriage. Mm. I had to be willing to lose a person, a relationship and by, and by proximity, a whole bunch of other people that I considered my family for over half of my life had oh, to be wow. willing to lose that. But I gained myself. And then I started to find that, I didn't have to live my life just trying to fill it with any people that if I was genuinely who I am, the right people would find me. Mm. And I, I, I was just, I was, I was in relationship with anybody, anybody who would really be in relationship with me. Because again, I didn't trust that people wanted to be connected to me. And it mm. was something about the healing journey now that it's not like any person has to do it right now. I go, no, there, there are people I got, I have such a beautiful village. I have such an amazing oh tribe throughout this healing journey over the last few years because I finally stopped anybody. Anybody could be my people. And I went to go like, well, no, anybody can't. No, <laughs> anybody I <know>. people. <laughs> and, and I deserve to have people who are for me to be with me. And I also don't need to go out trying to be everybody else's people. Mm, right, I right. need to be the people for people who we're supposed to be connected. And that has been so instrumental, you know, for me as a person who legit, just everything I did was for connection, you know, connection, connection. And now I hear myself because I, I used to do crowds. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I did. Now <laughs> I'm like, oh, we right. I was out there sacrificing my body, you know, and everything I was feeling, bypassing it and and just numb and whatever I was doing to go out there and, and and it was so pick me when you say like juggling the batons and jumping up that's what it felt like in some regards like I hope someone sees me I hope someone wants to be connected with me whether mm. that was romantically friendship whatever it was please see me and now I see me I know that regardless of who else sees me, I see me. And, and the, the surprising thing to my littles, my inner children who are like, we got to perform. And I say, no, we don't. But no. I see you. All of a sudden, the right people are seeing me now. I'm in relationship right. with a lot of amazing people. I I just, I did like this past weekend. Um, was it past weekend? On the 19th, um, 
my sorority sister, um, she uh, had me come down to Miami along with some of my other sorority sisters. Um, and we came down to Miami to celebrate my birthday. Um, and that I, unfortunately, and I want to say unfortunately, but that at that date, that same day was the day that I signed my divorce. Um, it was finalized that day. Um, and where I was feeling a little sad and, and, you know, down about it, when I got down there, my sorority sister, Carrie, like she is a vibe on her own. And, uh, and just down there, and we went to this lounge and it was, um, it's like, it was like an Afrobeat, the Afrobeat lounge, Afrobeat type lounge. And it was just the atmosphere. And I used to care like with me being my, you know, my weight and everything, I used to just like care, like, oh man, I don't want nobody to see me. Like my, you know, I feel not comfortable, but just like with certain people around me um, and, and I got to give my props to her. Like she really had me feeling, her and her sister had me feeling like I was just, I didn't need to, to be like, pick me, pick me. I was just there. I was enjoying myself. I was dance like I was dancing. I'm not a good dancer, but I still thought I could dance in my head. <laughs> and I just completely in that that moment, I was like, Brandy, you're gonna be okay. Mm. Like it's time that you love you. It's time that you pour into you. We're blocking out anybody who thinks anything negative and just start pouring and thinking and talking to myself you are beautiful. You are enough. You are worthy. Like I, I was good at that moment. I felt like ah, I can do anything. And I, and I legitly still feel like that, um, from that. And even joining my sorority, but the sorority that I had joined that had one, at one point gave me a platform to be able to, um, reach and, and be a part of other women, um, and, and join in with that sisterhood. But I think it gave me a reason to, elevate like elevate um and be able to say I myself am my as a vibe myself I myself can attract people you know myself um and as long as I'm giving out that type of energy and um and people are seeing how I'm treating myself um it doesn't matter what I'm a part of I just got to really think of myself and how I give off that energy and that's what I attract and what I'm wanting to attract with people. Yes, I, so true. You know, I when you were talking, it made me think about this. It, it's something I knew like cognitively in my mind, but it really hit me over the last few weeks is whatever I think people are thinking about me is actually what I think about myself. I've seen that quote. I've seen somebody said that and I've heard that again before. Yeah. So when I really sat with it, I realized that I have not listened. I, I've, I've tried to think like, is this a true statement? Because I don't like to use universals, always, never, blah, blah, blah. But I have never that I can recall ever wondered if someone was looking at me and wondering if I was stupid. Hmm. Never. Never. Because I don't think I'm stupid. <laughs> Well, I feel I I've asked myself. I was like, do people think that? I'm like, do people think that I'm like slow or something sometimes? And they and after now that you say that, I'm like, well, now am I thinking I'm slow? Because I always feel like that's how I get talked to sometimes by people. Like they think that I'm like I'm slow, and I'm like, really, I'm really I'm not slow, right? Like, I really, well, 
And and Do I'm I not view saying that these like that? things are not, yeah, but people I've never, no, even if like I'm present, you know, whatever I'm doing and someone like cocks their head and looks confused, I might think that they not understand that, but I, I have never internalized not being smart or intelligent because all the time growing up, that was the thing that was reinforced. Shonda smart, Shonda, you know, all these things. Now mm. I have thought many other things. I wonder if they think in this. And when I stop to go, if I'm wondering if they're thinking it, some part of me is thinking it about myself because mm. it wouldn't even be able to draw upon. I wonder if they're thinking that if it wasn't somewhere in me, what that's done for me is when I start to have that, why are they looking at me? Blah, 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 I pause and go, Ooh, something's come up for me. So I turn inward to go somebody, some part of me, is having that thought. And then I reassure them. You know, I have one of my, um, one of the things that I've started doing to try to reclaim my body and how I feel about my body is wearing crop tops. Okay. And, you know, I was a, a really good, really good friend of mine. My, I think she did my first friend cast, um, Vicky. <laughs> my friend Vicky came a week or two ago and spent the day with me. And she reminded me that when I was back in grad school, we were in grad school together. We were in our group therapy class in like this small room. It was probably six or eight of us. And it was hot. It was hot in there. Mm -hmm. So I took off my jacket and I was wearing whatever, a, a tank top, something with no sleeves. Mm -hmm. And I disclosed to them at that moment that I never show my arms, that I like was very ashamed of my arms. So how I would always have like a jacket or something on. And when she pointed that out to me, we were just talking about girl, would you have ever imagined wearing a crop top then? Like, hell no, no. Are you kidding me? <laughs> what are you talking about? Absolutely not. It was all about cover your body, cover your body. Mm -hmm. And so I was just like, wow, we will make progress in things, but we don't stop long enough to recognize how much progress we're making on the things mm. that we're trying to shift and grow. And so I no longer think I wear things without sleeves though, all the time. Cause I, okay. I run hot all the right. time, like all the time. And I don't think anymore. Oh, I wonder what they think about my arms, but I used to, I right. used to think about that. Oh, I wonder if they're looking at my arms. I don't think that anymore. And I'm hoping that I continue to grow so much that when I wear the crop top, wear whatever I'm wearing, that the thought of, I wonder if they think, slowly begins to dissipate. But part of that is I got to recognize I'm thinking it. Where is that right. rooted? The fat phobia, the, the races, all the things that are influencing how I look at myself. I want to address that in me first. Before I even concern myself about what other, because other people are thinking about me based on their experiences. Mm, and that ain't okay. none of my business. That's true. I <laughs> think I need to get that out of my head too. And again, that's part of my journey. And I, I do want to say that um, the journey that I've, just this whole journey that I've started, that this the healing and this falling in love with myself, um, it has, it's, it's not an easy journey, it, right? It's not easy, but um, it's still a journey that's adamant. Like, mm -hmm. you know, most journeys, like we go hiking or something. If you hike, you know, you start off on flat 
land and then you have to hike up, you know, some mountains. And it's never easy, especially if it's your first time. This is my first time. This is my first at legit journey that I'm taking, that I am my body and soul. Like I am going all in mm-hmm. um, on this and I'm adamant on staying on this, this path. Um, but I do need to, the, the mentality that I have said to myself for so long, and it comes from a lot of trauma, things that have happened to me um, as a teenager on up where mm-hmm. my body, in my mind, I'm like, oh, no, my be being dark skin has been a thing that has been as a child, like in my family was a colorism thing, like, mm-hmm. you know, the lighter, the better. Um, and so um, that has always stuck in my head, like, you know, even as an adult, you know, me and my friends, if they're lighter than me, they always got chose, you know, first. And then I'm like the leftovers. That's what I thought in my head. And it's not until just recently, like, you know, I just started really saying, you know what, Brandy, you really got to get out of your head with this. Like you are a beautiful woman. You are very beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And thank you. And I'm, and I'm, I'm just really getting it have really have to keep saying and every morning I keep saying it like you are beautiful you are intelligent um you you are all these things um and it's slowly catching it's slowly catching um and so you know it's it's just catching like I'm loving and the reason part of the reason why it's catching is because some of us think that we can think these thoughts about ourselves when we've been told negative things all of our life mm. we need to hear it just like we heard everything else. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you are saying to yourself Mm -hmm. out loud, these things it's catching because the parts of you that internalize all the negative things are now hearing things to combat it. And Mm -hmm. so many of us have heard negative things, but we think we can think our way out of it and we can't, Mm. we need to say our way out of it as well. And I resonate. I always thought, you know, prime growing up in our generation adolescence you know at least I'm back in Detroit you know we go to the mall and it was it was it was a thing like I I could predict it it happened so often if I was with a group of four girls and there were three boys know that the three are coming for not me they're coming for the other three and if there's four boys and there are four girls, then all of a sudden one of them would mysteriously get a page, right? Like back when beepers were a thing or they right, were one off right. somewhere, right? So I internalize that because it happens so much. So I also want to help people understand that we're not making this shit up. Right. We are not making it up. It's not a right. figment of our imagination. These things have happened to us. We have been yeah. overlooked. We have not been picked. We have heard, had some very nasty things said about us. Right. right? These things are they really did happen but it doesn't make them true and that's the thing it doesn't make them true because the people who were saying it were swimming and being drowned in the same oppressive systems Mm -hmm. that told us that we weren't the right shade we weren't the right size our bodies Mm -hmm. didn't look at they were swimming in the same waters they absorbed what we absorbed so it's one of those things that sometimes people are like I just got to get over it and and I want to say that you got to get through it when we try to get over things, we're bypassing working through the process to help us realize that those things in our adolescent, formative, chilled child years, early adulthood, they 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 were real and they hurt mm. and they informed how we saw ourselves. And mm-hmm. we don't have to act like that's not true in order to heal. As a matter of fact, we heal by going, yes, it was hurtful mm-hmm. and 
it really doesn't define who I am. Right. Because when we, I learned this from a girl in elementary school, this girl, and I went to a real small school. She thought she was fine. She really (laughs) did. She thought she was fine. And you know what? Everybody else thought she was fine too. Not necessarily because she was fine, but because she thought she was fine. I think about her often. When Uh I put on the crop top and I get ready to go outside, Mm -hmm. I, I will say her name and be like, yo, it don't, because I don't think, and, and she got, it was like cyclical. She would get the reinforcement, mm-hmm. but wherever her confidence came from, she walked in the room, like, here it is. And when right. I go to a room to speak, I walk in with, I'm, I'm, I, that confidence is in me. And all of a sudden people meet me in that confidence. So I'm saying, I got it in one area of my life. How do I translate this to how I, how I feel about how I look? So sometimes I just got to be like, it doesn't matter what's going on out there. I am starting to look in the mirror and like what I see. And mm-hmm. what I have found is I don't know if people's reactions to me are actually changing, but my perception about it, when someone is looking at me for a prolonged time, it used to be, oh God, they're thinking something negative. Right. Now when they do it. I'm like, girl, you got pink hair. Like they don't look for a few minutes, right? Right. Oh, but this is, you know, there it takes longer to take all this in because it is the bomb. And right. that is how right. I'm shifting it. Right. People are doing what people have been doing. My interpretation of what people are doing is based on what's going on inside of me, not necessarily right. what's going on inside of them. So I, I just loved being able to have the conversation because I think there are so many people on many different places, a spectrum right. of places on this journey. But before we finish, I definitely want to have an opportunity to talk about your work and involvement with the Festival of Cincinnati Pride and Cincinnati Black Pride. And yeah, how did you get connected? Tell us about your work in doing this work. Yeah, so... um I I had a backup. So I originally had joined my sorority, Gamma Tau Epsilon Sorority Incorporated. And um, that kind of gave me the the boost and the push to say, you know what, I can do this. Let me go out into the community and get involved in the community. So I kind of then took it upon myself to say, um, me being a part of the LGBTQ community, um, that I want to be more involved. Like, I don't want to just show up on June and have my, you know, flag on and say, I'm, you know, I'm gay and I'm proud. I wanted to do more. I wanted to be a more advocate and so forth. So I was like, let me join, let me try to join um, either Cincinnati. Originally I started off with Cincinnati Black Pride and then um, I had reached out to them and it took a little bit for them to get back to me. So then I had reached out to um, Cincinnati Pride. And um, at that time I went through the whole process and it became a member at large. Um, and I did my first work, my first pride with them, which I said I was baptized by fire because it was hot that day. And <laughs> <laughs> I was baking out there like baking. I mean, I was sizzling. So I, I was like, OK, is this what I want to do? And I was, And it is. And so with pride being 365 days a year, um, I then said, you know what? I want to be a part of planning, you know, the festival um, and helping with the festival. Um and I wanted to be more involved. So then um, I went through that process to be co-chair. Um, and then at that time, um, Cincinnati Black Pride, I met 
saw them again um, at another event and they were like, hey, you know, come aboard and, you know, come to our meetings, which is what I did. And so then I kind of just jumped in and just, we just started going from there. Um, I did my first, uh, first health fair, which is where I met you at, uh, first health fair, which I was so proud of that. Um, and a lot of other events that we have coming up, but my purpose of joining them was really to be involved in the community. Um, be bring awareness to a lot of things that are changing, um, you know, with our government, you know, with the laws and everything like that. Um, I wanted to be a voice, um, being a Black female um, who is in the community, um, bring awareness um, and, and be a voice. I've always wanted to be a, very much of an advocate. Um, I'm one of those people who will get out and I will, I will protest. I will get out there. I will hold a sign. I will make our voices um, heard. Um, and now I, I am able to do that. I feel that confidence to be able to do that and, um, be heard and, 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 and bring awareness and just get, make sure these changes are the best changes for the community, um, and, and so forth and fight and fight for the rights that, you know, everybody in this, in this world deserve. I appreciate that so much. Um, <clears throat> I realized when you said that, yeah, I normally try to give a disclosure of how I met the person. So yes, I met Randy <laughs> um, at uh, Cincinnati Black Pride Health Fair mm -hmm. and <clears throat> I spoke there and it was so amazing to be able to come into spaces with people who are very adamant about creating safe spaces for other mm -hmm. people who don't normally have them. Right. I can get behind that a hundred percent, right? Coming in and contributing to a space where people get to show up and just be them. And yes. I love that there's opportunities to learn. I love that they're vending opportunities and all of those things. But one of my labors of love is even if it's just for a moment, creating safety for mm -hmm. a person to just breathe for a second and not have to be armored up, not have to be protecting themselves. Uh, it's, 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 it's really why I think that hugs, you know, I say I'm a soul hugger, but I love physical hugs. And for that moment that I'm holding on to a person in an embrace, like, can mm -hmm. I just create that 20 to 30 seconds for that person to just give their nervous system a break for just a second and be like, Oh, mm -hmm. I can just be right now because what I can't change is how we have to go out and navigate the world from a protected place. Right. But can I be a person that people don't have to protect themselves from? Right. That's what I'm asking myself. And so I really appreciated the health fair. We had so many really great discussions and yes. conversations um, uh, uh, within the community. And right. so, yeah, I just, I really, I was really excited to be able to, to participate. Um, I want to give a, a early happy pride. By the time this drops, we will be in pride month. Um, <laughs> and so happy pride yes. month to everyone out there within the LGBTQI plus community, to those of us who are endeavoring daily to be allies in more than just word and more than just a Facebook post, but like in genuinely in the way we live our lives, exactly. um, but also acknowledging 24, seven, 365, you yes. know, grateful that there is a month dedicated mm -hmm. um, 
but also naming that this should just be the life that we all get to live every single day. So just really appreciate that. Yeah. So Brandy, is there a wait, go ahead. No, you go ahead then. I was going to ask, is there anything that I didn't ask, anything that we didn't get to talk about that you were really hoping to share with me and my listeners or just be able to say? Well, no, I think we we covered everything, man. I wish it was longer. Um, it I I really enjoy this. This is this was very good. Um, and you know, I I want to make sure people know when when you start on whatever you know journey or healing or self love you're doing, um, just keep in mind like um, take it one day at a time. I tell my students, you know, how do you eat an elephant? And we always say one bite at a time. Um, and then life is a big elephant. And so every day I'm taking small bites um, to be able to um, fall in love with myself, you know, something I've never done before. And and falling in love with yourself is such a beautiful thing um, done correctly, um, done how you want to do it and so forth. I decided that I wanted to finish nursing um, and I just got accepted recently um, at Christ Hospital's Hospital nursing college and I'm like I really want to finish out my journey congratulations thank you like I I'm so adamant and I always said like I'm gonna go I've always said I want to go overseas and like work in a clinic like in a village where people less fortunate that's been on my heart or going into a rural area um in in the United States and working there um and and for those who are less fortunate and and really is I don't know why it just I just feel like I have to give back um, cause God has spared me a lot. Mm. Um, he spared me a lot in my life and I'm just so thankful and blessed. And I want to be able to give back to any and everybody in any way that I possibly can. But at first I got to make sure I'm good. Um, Catch up and them so that's, holes. Yes. And that is where <laughs> I'm at right now. I am make, I'm so adamant making sure I am good. Um, as I continue to do what I'm supposed to do on this earth. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. I From that, I just want to highlight and pull out. You've mentioned multiple times, I'm 45, I'm 45, I'm 45. <laughs> and she said, and I'm going back, right? And there are so many of us, I think, that get some number in our head and go, mm. that's past. I can't do it anymore. And I just really appreciate you, Brandy, for being a real live example that it's not too late. Who, who told us it was to, nope, right? And so the fact that you you applied and you're accepted and you're saying this is yes. the path, like we get to come back to those things. And so thank you so much for not only sharing your journey of self-acceptance and love and patching the holes and doing the things and giving back, but really just taking the time to be here and share yourself and your labor of love with myself and my listeners. Thank you. Well, thank you. I am so grateful. This was very, this was fun. I did. I (laughs) really (laughs) enjoyed it so much. Um, I want to give my my typical shout outs, my producer, Jay Sugg from Instant Classic Media, Trey Angel, who provides my music. Um, I want to thank you, my listeners, for tuning in and always supporting the work that I do. Don't forget that I have my Patreon if you want to support my work, as well as getting uh, exclusive content. I'm on all the major social media outlets. And if you have suggestions for guests or content, you can reach me at www.thelaborsoflove.com. Until we connect again, you all be well.